So, as Michael said, you know, I have (laughs) myself preached this portion many, many, many times. And there is so much to say, but I want to, like him, focus on something that I think is uh, critical. So, I want to focus on something uh, that was in our Torah reading this morning. So we all know, most of us should know the story of creation. God made everything. It was wonderful. And if you really want to get into the study of it, then uh, we're going to be studying it in the uh, Torah study later on, get into it a little deeper. And we find ourselves in the Garden of Eden, Gan Eden, and everything is wonderful. If you get to the end of chapter 2 of uh of Breshit, everything looking good. Everything looks like it's uh, it's all going according to plan, so to say. And uh, there's a marvelous little uh, ending to chapter two. Um, and it says, uh, and it says that uh, both of the man and the woman were naked and were not ashamed. Uh, so, so both of them were what we call arumim, right? Arumim is smooth. It means you're naked. It means naked. That's the word. But then, chapter three opens with this word that says the serpent was cunning beyond any beast of the field. And interestingly enough, that word for cunning is the word arum. So the couple was arumim, but the snake was arum, which also comes from the root, which means smooth, because the snake has a smooth skin and so on. So why why are these why is these stories in there? Why are these words in there? Why are they used quite the way they are? And I want to suggest uh, an interesting thing about what happened. So let's take a look at at one portion from that text uh, that we read today, which was what they did after. They ate the fruit. See, so remember what, what happened after they ate the fruit? They realized something about themselves. And as a result of that realization, they hid themselves, didn't they? They hid themselves. So I asked myself the question, what in the world... Is the is the is caused them to hide themselves from God, and what was the realization that they had as a result of being naked? After all, it says in the at the end of chapter two, we were naked and we were not ashamed. But once we had eaten from the fruit and disobeyed God, something was destroyed. Many things were destroyed, really, and we can go into those in some depth later on. But what 
the first thing that I believe that was destroyed most especially was our self-image. That was the first thing that was destroyed as a result of the sin in the garden. And brothers and sisters, we have never recovered from it since. Because I believe that all the woes and the difficulties in this world are the result of our image of ourselves. God said, to us, said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. We were supposed to be a reflection of God himself, somehow. Whether he looks like a human being or has arms and legs or any of that sort of thing is irrelevant. But we were to be reflections of that. And that was glorious, even in our own sight. And yet, once we disobeyed him, once we broke relationship with him, that first thing, our image of ourselves was utterly marred. And we have been working vigorously, diligently, in deadly ways to repair that problem. And up to now, at least, to no avail. Yeah, look what happens, you know, when, when uh, things go wrong. I want, you, I want you to take a look at this comic strip. Did anybody who raised kids in the 90s knew this script, this thing, for better or for worse. I mean, you know, it was, it was how we guided our lives because Elle and John are reflections of every, you know, sort of middle-class parent who ever had to raise kids in the 90s, you know. So uh, my wife and I particularly, we, we, we uh, identified with this because John and Elle have two kids who are a little bit older. And then one day, Elle wakes up and she finds out that she's pregnant, unplanned, which is exactly what happened to Marilyn and myself. <laughs> you know, one day we wake up and there's Samantha. Holy cow. Okay. You know, <laughs> that wasn't planned. But so Elle is waking up one morning. And you see what she says? She says, I can't believe how fat I am. I'm fat, I'm pale, I'm ugly. And there's John looking on from the doorway, right? So it goes on here, it says, and she continues to look at herself in the mirror. And it's funny how when we look in a mirror, the things that we see, some days I don't recognize the guy in the mirror. You ever have that, that moment, you know, where you look in the mirror, is that me? Is that really me? I envision myself entirely differently. And I imagine that that's what's happening with Elle here too. And so she says to John, what are you staring at? He says, oh, nothing. Let me tell you what, you know, this is our biggest problem, that we just can't live with ourselves. And we've been having a difficult time with it ever since. Look at what they did, you know, what Adam and Eve did as a result. Remember, God comes to the, into the garden. He says to Adam, he says, listen, you know, uh, what'd you do? Who told you you were naked? Did you eat from that food? You know, God is asking him all the appropriate questions. And what does he do? He immediately begins to blame the woman. He blames, it was the woman whom, actually he doesn't blame the woman, blames God. Because he says, it's that woman you gave me. 
You gave that to me. No wonder I'm in trouble. It's not my fault, it's yours. And this is what we do when we try to justify ourselves, when our image is so broken that we can't live with it. And so our first instinct is to find a scapegoat, someone who could say, yeah, I'm better than you, right? This is where all bullying, all, all bad name-calling, all this stuff comes from. It comes from the need to feel better about ourselves because we feel somehow that we are inadequate. And it all stems from that first place. And so I want you to think about all the evil things that are going on in the world today. I mean, I, all the Michigas, we hate each other. We can't stand one another. Aren't, don't we know we all come from the same source? And yet we cannot live, you know, you're different than me. I, 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 don't, I don't see myself in you. And it's all because that image of ourselves has been marred. The evil one, the serpent, changed us from Arumim to Arum. And with that little change, we have lost ourselves. What can we do about it? You know, we have such poor self-image that it distorts the way we view ourselves. It distorts the way we look at others. And we feel inadequate that we cannot live up to the potential that God has in us. But I want you to remember something. It's a remarkable thing about this text. It's a mystery in the text. Because it says, you remember what, what uh, the evil one says to them? He says, listen, if you eat from this fruit, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. You'll be, you'll, you'll be like God. Now, wait a minute. Wasn't, wasn't, didn't God say he was making us in his image? So that means that we are supposed to be a reflection of God in, these, in, some, in, these way, in certain ways anyway. At the end of the episode, God says this. He says, now man is like us, knowing good and evil. He's like us. In some way, we are actually more like God than we were before we ate from the fruit. Now, maybe it, didn't, it wasn't the way God planned. Clearly it was not. And yet somehow this knowledge is necessary for us to reflect some of the attributes of God. After all, if you don't know the difference between good and evil, how can you judge? Right? Unless you think nothing but good was going to happen in the garden. How can we live with ourselves, though, in the face of all of this? There is a reality that we all struggle with this self-image thing. You know, either we're too fat, we're too short. That's my problem. I'm short for my weight. You know, that's my problem. <laughs> so, you know, we have all, we, you know, whatever you think of yourself, and we all do. I don't know of anyone who's, oh, no, no, I, Donald Trump. I forgot. He's the only guy in the whole world who has complete confidence. Ah, uh, and we see what that's getting. Actually, let's not go there. All right. Um, so anyway, let me suggest something to you as we begin the new year. It has to do with this cartoon, by the way. Elle is feeling really bad about ourselves, and maybe you are too. 
you're fat, you're ugly, you wake up every morning and you don't feel, feel too good or whatever. It happens to most of us. In Psalm 49, 149, which we sing as part of Suke de Zimra every morning. It's one of those psalms that, that, is, that, uh, that when we do our morning service, we sing. And it says, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. And praise in the, the congregate and his praise in the congregation of the godly ones. So I want to suggest that we don't worry about what we see in the mirror. What we worry about is what God sees in us. What God sees in us. Remember at the end of this episode in the garden, when all the bad words are said and God makes his judgment on the whole schmear, it says he takes coverings and he covers them. He doesn't leave them naked and afraid in the dark. It's true we have to leave Eden because only outside of Eden will we find ourselves again. But he doesn't leave us alone, naked and afraid. And so here's how we live our lives with confidence in this new year, right? Praise the Lord. That's the first thing. Because of how God sees us, we can praise him. So we're new creatures and we can sing a new song. Can we all do that? Can we get up each morning? This is one of the beautiful things about uh, Jewish prayer. I want you to know. When you get up in the morning, we say, Thank you, O God, for restoring my life to me. If you got up every morning and said that, your day will get off on a much better foot. And it doesn't take much to memorize that short little prayer. Thank you, O God, for restoring my life to me. The, the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. Start like that. And every day will be a praise. Every day. And then you can go and look in the mirror. And probably you'll see something a whole lot better than you thought you were going to see before. So let's do that. Because of how he sees us, we can praise, we can praise him. Because it's not how I see myself, it's how he sees me. The next one, it says, Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the sons of, of Zion rejoice in our king. You know, God is our king. You know, every one of us, you know, most of us have somewhere we have to go when we get up in the morning. We have to go see the boss. We have to go see uh, somebody who's going to aggravate us. Right? Well, No. We rejoice in our God because he is our king. Ultimately, our responsibility is to him, not to whoever. Hey, listen, do your job. Do the best you can because you're a reflection of God and his kingdom. And wherever we go, people should praise God because of who we are. Everywhere I go, I want people to feel 
that they better they're better off because they met me. Not because they met me, but because they met God in me. Because if I am a reflection of God, then that's who they're going to see. And that's what we should be doing. So, he's our king, our maker. He provides all that we need. And it says, and it tells us something else about his kingship that we really need to know. It's this, and he says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good for the, to those who, are, who love God and are called according to his purpose. That life can work out for us, even if it doesn't always go exactly like we planned. You know that? Can you look at your life and say, okay, here I am. Lord, let's go. It didn't work out quite the way I thought. I didn't want to get sick. I didn't want that to happen. I didn't want to get fired. But can I move on? If we can have the confidence to know that it is because of how God sees us that we live. Not how we see ourselves. or Not even how others may see us. If I had to depend, let me just tell you friends on a personal note. If I had to depend on how everybody views me, I would have killed myself long ago. Sometimes I'm a king, sometimes, sometimes I'm an angel, sometimes I'm a devil. Depends on which side of the bed some people wake up on. So it's not how, but that's not how I view myself. My view, my point of view has to do with how God views me. And you, you, you read that portion from today's, uh, what is that, do we have the Haftar here? It says in the Haftorah that we read today, it says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are mine. Always remember that God loves us with a passion. He's not some, it's not some kind of abstract kind of love in principle. There is passion in the love of God. You are mine. I will give others in your place. That's God. A God who loves us. So I'm, we cannot concern ourselves with how everybody else looks at us or even how we view ourselves. And I'm going to give you another one. It says in verse 149.3, Let them praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praise to him with timbrel and lyre. Every day in our lives should be a celebration. Every day. I told you about Modani. That's an easy prayer to remember. Every day a celebration because we are gods. And listen to the devout Jew. We pray every single day. Every day is a worship service. Shabbat is something else. You know, we don't wait for Sunday or something like that. You know, as a day when people are supposed to worship God or anything. Every day is the day of worship. And this is our great destiny. As the servants of the Lord, we are the Eved Elohim, the servants of God. That word, Eved, is, also forms the word Avodah, same root, 
which means that we serve, we worship God. Service and worship is the way we live our lives. Sign, we can worship him wherever we are and whatever we're doing. Okay. One more portion of this psalm. It says, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. I want you to bathe yourself in that notion just for a moment. That the, that the Lord takes pleasure in us. You know, if we understood that God took pleasure in us, maybe that image that we see in the mirror wouldn't be so, you know, repulsive to us sometimes. You know, when we're feeling low, when we're feeling down, when things are not going our way. Even then, God takes pleasure in his people. You know, we sit, we, you know sometimes we get this idea, we read the, the, the Torah and all, and all the adventures of our people as they're wandering through the wilderness. And, uh, all, and all you ever hear about, well, not all, but most of what you hear about during the, the wilderness journey is the complaining, right? Kvetching and all of that. But that's not all that happened. There were glorious moments, many, many, many glorious moments. Mostly glorious moments. And we have to realize that God continued to take along the people because he loved them. That's why. Because he took pleasure in his people and takes pleasure in his people. And I want you to know that God takes pleasure in us. That this is this new year, I want us to think about that. We, yeah, there's a lot of negativity. You know, we read that whole portion from Romans th this morning, all about all the bad stuff that happens. You know, and listen, all Paul is trying to say is, you know, the reason that things go wrong in the world is because we have a bad image of ourselves. We've distorted this image in ourselves, and it creates a monster in us. But if we live out that monster. If we decide, well, that's who I really am, that image I see in the mirror that's so hateful and distorted, well, then I might as well just live it. And so they do. And so all, the kinds, all manner of bad things can happen from that. But that's not who we are. God is saying to us, we, I take pleasure in you because you are beautiful. Because you are mine. And because you are worth it. No matter what has happened in the past, no matter what our sins may be, no matter what sins may have been committed against us, God loves us. And we are his. And we will always be his. So one more slide. Your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel was called the God of all the earth because of how he sees us. We will always be with him. Always. That's our destiny. That's our destiny. Not destruction outside of the garden, but we're headed for a holy city. You notice how the Bible begins in a, in a garden, but we end in a city of gold. That's our ultimate destiny because of how God sees us.
we have all of this to look forward to. God loves us. And now we have to find out what happened to L, don't we? So let me see if I can get up. Oops, I'm hitting the wrong button. Remember how he said, let me go back so we remember what was going on. Come on, you can do it. So she's over there saying, what are you staring at? Oh, nothing. He was saying, I was just thinking how beautiful you are. You see what it says there? The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the other people. For you were fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers. God loves us. And as we enter this new year, that's the image of ourselves that we should take into the world. Just thinking how beautiful you are. Holy One of Israel, thank you. You are our God. There is no other. And I pray, O oh Lord, that we can live up to the image of God, uh, uh, the image that you see, O oh Lord, that you see in us. Not the image that we sometimes have because we saw ourselves naked, lost that sense of beauty that we had when we began. Because even though it may have been true that we saw that, you continued to see us as, we, as you made us in your own image. And Lord, may we take that image and share it with the world. For the world is desperately in need of the love of God. Help us, Lord, to share that love this year. To share it with all, so that all can come the knowledge of the one true God, our creator. Amen.